Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast, TCC, a home for you. All right, good morning, TCC. What's up, what's up, everybody? How's it going? You guys have a good morning? It's a little chilly this morning. It's been a little chilly recently. My body's not liking it, to be honest. I have achy bones. I'm only 25, but sports did that to me. I have achy bones in the morning, but I hope you guys are feeling good this morning. My name is Tyler Harris. I'm the student pastor here, if you don't know me. Um, And I spoke here, um, I don't know, maybe like two months ago, and it must have been just good enough to let me speak again, because I'm here again. So yeah, come on, yeah, come on, yeah. So you have me today, you traded a Greek for a Greek. Sadly, well, I mean not sadly, but kind of sadly, I am my father's son. So that means that I'm also Greek, and that means that I like stories just as much as he does. Today, we are continuing our series, More Than Enough. I love this series. This is such an amazing concept, especially going into the holiday season, because sometimes I think the holidays for us seem, seem like we're constantly either operating in lack, or maybe we are giving too much. Um, of, you know, our time and we're not resting and stuff. And so to, to, to um, um, remain rooted in the fact that God is more than enough for us is super important. Last week, we um, looked at how God is always satisfying us and that if we can live a satisfied life, um, we, we then get um, 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 direction from God, our desires are fulfilled, And then we can produce good fruit for the world to see. And I think that that's such an important place to start because if we aren't living satisfied lives first, right? If we aren't satisfied by the Lord, how is the world going to know a good God? If your life isn't lived satisfiedly, just making up words up here. If we don't live that way, the world doesn't see the God that we know and we believe in. And so that's, where we're starting in this series, and we are going to jump to an awesome topic today. I'm going to start with a story. Uh, my wife and I, McKenna, got married in February of this year, um, and we recently just became puppy parents. We did. You could throw up that slide. That is our little, uh, our little baby Nova. Um, she now, though, does not look like that. She looks like a wildebeest now. <laughs> Um, that, that was when we first got her. She now is about five months old, about 30 pounds. She is a labradoodle and she's fantastic. She is amazing. Um, but I remember bringing her home at that size. Literally when we picked her up, it felt like she was like the size of this bottle. She was so small. And I remember when, when, uh, we brought her home, she was too small to like climb up our steps. She was too small to climb up the steps. She could, she, she could not jump on the couch to cuddle, and we all love puppy cuddles. She couldn't do anything like that. You know it was really sad? She couldn't get off the stoop to go to the bathroom. She was so small. She was so afraid to get off the stoop that you literally had to pick her up, put her down. She'd do her business, then you pick her up and you put her back. She was that small. And I remember taking care of her every single day. My wife and I would, would literally, it felt like for two months, do literally everything for her. We would feed her, right? We'd clothe her. Just kidding. We aren't those puppy parents. We would water her. 
We would make sure that she was healthy. She has way too many toys, so we would just buy her more toys. We would love her. We were there when she was crying in the night when she, you know, didn't really understand crate crate stuff yet. We were there for her, and and God has a funny way of of showing things to me in random day-to-day things. And God brought this, this thought to me recently about my puppy Nova. And that thought is that this dog, my baby, she has never known anything but being fully supplied for. She, she's never known a life that was absent of all of her needs being met. She's never had to wake up thinking, well, am I going to eat today? She's never had to think, well, am I going to have playtime today? She, she, she has never thought that her life has ever been in danger because of something that she's done or because something that we've done. She is always, from the moment that she's taken breath in her life, she has always believed that everything that she needs would be supplied. And it got me thinking on this thought about like, what if we lived our lives like that? What if we lived our relationships with God in the same belief that my, my needs would constantly always be supplied. That, that my needs, my spiritual needs, my physical needs, everything is met for me every day. And this concept, this idea, is kind of throwing me for a loop because I don't know about you, but I know there's days where I don't feel that way, that all my needs are met. I know that there are times where I think that God has met me where I'm at, and I'm like, praise the Lord. And there's times where I'm like, God, where are you? But the truth, and this is the truth that I want us to constantly be thinking about today, the truth is that God is there, always. He is, he is, and he wants to supply that need. And so we need to start there. How cool would it be if we could truthfully live that way, right? It'd be awesome. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to uh, Philippians 4.19. If you use the YouVersion app, you can look us up on there, follow along with my notes, check into Facebook, take a picture on Instagram. Uh, Let your friends know how cute my puppy is. That's your task. So if you post stuff on Facebook, if you check in, look at her. Look at that puppy. Man, she's adorable. So... We're going to start in Philippians 4.19 here with this statement, just a little backstory. This statement is made by Paul to the church of Philippi for basically supporting his traveling ministry. When he was traveling through all of these different um, um, places and trying to establish churches, he would then write letters back in thanks, um, basically being like, hey, thank you for providing everything that I could have needed when I was with you. And so we are not going to read um, the whole letter, but we are going to pick up here. Philippians 19 says this, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul is laying out here for the church that the same way that they supplied him, okay, the same way that you, as in the church, supplied him, the same way that you cared for him, the same way that you provided essential needs, house, food, 
water, transportation, the same way that all of that was provided, God will do the same to you. This is what church is laying, sorry, this is what Paul is laying out here for the church. And, 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 and the concept is that God will always supply your needs. God is always, from the beginning to now, always has been planting this idea that no matter what you're doing in your life, it's always God working through you to something else. And just as much as Paul is thanking the church for what he's done for him, he's reminding them that it's not what you've done for me, it's what God did through you for me. And he's reminding them that because of what you've done here and because of how faithful God is here, God will supply all of your needs the same way that you supplied them to me. It's because at the center of this idea is just God being generous, right? It's God being that way. And no matter if it's the early church or the present day church, this is a hard concept for us to grasp. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I would bet a million dollars that you are, that I struggle with thinking that 100% of my needs every day are supplied for. There are days where I wake up and the first thing I think of is my lack. There are days when I wake up and the first thing I think about is, are, are, are all the ways I'm not supplied for. And the funny part, the part that connects it all together is that almost all of the time, it's never when I start my day talking to Jesus that I feel that way. It's always when I kind of try to assume a role in my life to provide for myself. And the reason is because we live in a consumer world. I can supply myself with anything. You want to hear the crazy thing? That, that's wild. I could literally order anything I want on Amazon right now. And if I get it before noon, it gets to my house today. How wild is that? I literally just ordered like a Christmas tree. And that, and, and, and that thing came like three hours later. And I was like, that is crazy. We live in that kind of world. Why would we need a God to supply our needs when I can supply my needs immediately? And this question is something that I kind of wrestle with almost daily. Is like, okay, I know that there's days where I don't feel that way, but the truth is, and this is the truth that I have to remind myself almost daily, the truth is, is that our God is in the business of generosity, and on top of that, he, he not only is in the business of generosity, period, he's in the business of being generous to a people that don't deserve it. We don't deserve that. Like, what did I do in my life to deserve generosity? Seriously. This question has been racking my brain for about a week now. Like, what have I done in my life that was so extravagantly crazy that God was like, blessings? I've done nothing. I've done nothing on the scale of what we describe generosity to be. Do you know why God is, gener Do you know why God is generous to me? Because I'm me. And he loves me. Do you know why God is generous to you? Because you're you. And God loves you. It's not because of what you've done or, or what you will do. It's because that is who God is. He is a generous God. 
See, Paul outlines super well there that the generosity of the Philippian church was not their own doing, but it was them obeying and being faithful to God in in providing stuff for Paul that then God through them blessed Paul. Sometimes we get on this train of like, well, I'm blessing people. I'm generous. I'm all of these things. And guys, the truth is, is that we're not that. God is that in us. And so this concept of that God is doing something through you to bless the world is where this generosity needs to always stay in our hearts. We can't let generosity get to our mind because guess what happens? We start thinking that we're generous. And the reality is that God is generous. And God guides my life. And God is a part of my life. Therefore, I then am generous. And that's why he goes on to say in this verse, can pull up the verse there, He says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs. He didn't say, well, the same way that you supplied my needs, you just have to supply your own needs. So like the same way that you gave me your food, just go get more food. Or the same way that you gave me a home to sit in, you just go build a new home. No, guys, he's saying the way that you blessed me, the way that you cared for me, the way that you supplied for me, God will do the same because God was the one that did it in the first place. So the million-dollar question right now then is how can we live in belief that God does supply all of our needs? And I'll prove to you that God does supply all of our needs. It's not an option. He just does. So we start here with number one. We need to believe that God wants to care for us. This is where we got to start. We got to start with the belief that God wants to care for you. It's not an obligation. He doesn't have to. He wants to. And this is super important for us to understand because if we don't, then all we do is live in a state of that nobody wants to do anything for me. And guys, the reality is that God wants, wants to wants to supply your needs. I think sometimes we get caught in this weird, like, well, God's up there going, well, you know, I got to do it again. Got to love that dude again. They're like, oh man, I got to answer that prayer again. Like, dude, you've prayed that five times. No, God's up there eager, 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 to care for you, eager to to supply you, eager to be a part of your life. So we need to believe that that's the truth. Scripture says in Deuteronomy 131, it says this, and you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. Now he has brought you to this place. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, says this, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there for he always tenderly cares for you. Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 30. I think this is one of the most beautiful passages that depicts the way that God cares for us. It says this, this is why I tell you to never be worried about your life for all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your, your life than a meal? 
Isn't your body more than clothing? Consider the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store food, yet your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you more valuable than your Father? Sorry, aren't you more valuable to your Father than they? So which one of you, by worrying, could add anything to your life? And why would you worry about your clothing? Look at the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil, and yet not even Solomon in all his splendor was robed in beauty like one of these. So if God has clothed the meadows with hay, which is here for such a short time, and then dried up and burned, won't he provide you the clothes you need, you of little faith? Guys, this passage is so important for us to understand why our relationship with God matters. Scripture says that the rocks cry out. That all of creation worships the true king, the one guy that created them, yet God wants to be with you. Do you worship God every day? Do you worship God every second of your existence? No, because I know I don't. (laughs) Yet God says, I have all of these sparrows. I have all of these trees. I have everything that is praising my name, yet I want to be with you. And I want to supply you with what you need. I want to care for you in your heart. I want to be there for you in your life. And we question if God really wants to care for us. And the reality is, don't get me wrong, I think birds are really cool. I do. But God believes that because we were created divinely to be in communion with God, that there is a difference between us and the sparrows. And there is a difference between the way God wants to care for us and the rocks that cry out his name. So a little side point would be like, how crazy would it be if we worshiped God the way that creation does? How crazy would it be if we praised God the way creation does? How crazy would it be if we trusted just like the sparrows do, just like anything else created? What if we trusted him that that's what he wants to do for us? Those sparrows don't question whether God wants to give them food or not, they just eat the food. And this is such an important idea for us to understand why God wanting to provide us things is so important to our faith. The key to believing that God wants to care for you is all in relationship. The reason we don't believe that he wants to care for us is because we don't have a relationship with him. Our relationship with God defines whether we believe that he truly wants to do that or not. Guys, God is faithful to the faithful. God is always faithful to those that are faithful. So when you meet him in relationship, when um, you are faithful, obedient in relationship with him, God is like, yes, I love you. Take all of it. But when we're questioning our relationships with God, when we don't put that first, and then we question in our lives whether God is there and wants to care for us, we're just running in a circle. We're just chasing our own tail. Guys, this, this, this starting point of 
of needing to believe that God wants to do something for you is so crucial to growth. Because if you don't internally, foundationally believe that somebody as big as God wants to do something for you, then you're never going to let anything happen to you. Which leads us to number two. We need to allow God to care for us. This one's a tough one. Sometimes I think, sometimes I think we think that transformation, what God does is the, the whole process is only on him. And guys, the reality is that we also have to let it happen. It's literally like our problem, right? Is we like do something we're like, oh, I feel so changed. I feel transformed. And then we run back to the same things that hurt us. And then guess what? We find ourselves right back in the line. Oh, I need transformation. Oh, transformed. Oh, wait. Oh, I need transformation. And we go in this cycle. And this cycle is endless and endless and endless because there are parts of us, whether you know it or not, that don't allow God to supply our needs. Sometimes we think our lives are like, well, I pray for it and, and like, I'm, I'm so desperate and God's not doing it. And sometimes I believe God, at least for me, says, hey, Ty, look at yourself. There's places of your heart you're not letting me touch. There's places of you that you're not letting me supply. That's your active decision. You're not letting me in those places. Guys, we... We, we question the way God moves in our lives when it's not the way we want it. We question it. We think it's not the truth. We don't believe God at his word, which is so contradicting. We don't believe God at his word when, when it opposes something that we've said or something that, that, that we have decided for our lives. We question those things because it doesn't line up with what we want. A second good one is we question if God is actually speaking to us, right? And the main reason we question that is because sometimes, right, it doesn't match up to what we've spoken over our own lives. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be a hockey player. I'm going to be a hockey professional. And God's like, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I am. This is what I want. This is my plan for my life. And God's like, no, I have something else for you. I have something better for you. And this thought here is, well, that doesn't match this, so it can't be God. <laughs> because God designed this for sure. Guys, I, 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 I literally speak to teens every week, and I deal with this every week. You know, I'm going off to college, you know, I'm going to go get, you know, my degree in communications, play football, probably go pro, probably. And I'm like, okay, have we talked to God about this? No, I think we're on the same page. I'm pretty sure God's like, you know, yeah, football. I'm like, yeah, for sure, maybe. Have you talked to God about it? No, no, you know, like God made me and I'm me and I like football, so God knows. He just knows. I'm like, dude, yeah, for sure, totally. And then what happens is we go off to like a camp or convention, and God transforms their life. It's like, oh, Pastor Ty, dude, God spoke to me. He said this crazy thing. He said, I'm not supposed to play football. 
And I'm like, dude, really? That's crazy. That's wild that you talked to God and he helped you find your way. I've been saying that for four months, that you need to talk to God to figure out what you're supposed to do. Guys, that is our dilemma. We question if what God is saying is actually God only because it doesn't match what we've already decided for our lives. And another one, right, is we, que- we question our direction all the time. We question where we're supposed to go. Am I supposed to be over here? Am I supposed to be in Florida? Am I supposed to be in Alaska? I don't know. God, tell me where I'm supposed to be. And God's like, no, I don't have, like, be where you are. He's like, well, no, because that doesn't match my agenda. Guys, everything comes back to our agenda. We question when, when, when God says, I want you to go over here and we go left because that's who we are in nature. For some reason, God's like, no, I want you to plant here. Okay, I'm packing my bags. <laughs> this is a part of the allowance of God to care for us. It sounds like, like, like none of those things make sense to this idea of allowing God to care for us, but it does. All of those aspects involve allowing God to, to be in your heart, be in your life, be speaking to you, be through you, caring for you, changing you. Every single one of those things. And really the word care can be replaced by love. So the way that we allow God to love us, sometimes we don't allow God to love us, flat out. And so we need to allow God to care for us. Psalms 34, 8 says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. One of my favorite verses. Guys, God is always good, period. There's no comma. There's no but there. As much as we love buts in the Bible, there's no but there. God is always good. That's his nature. That's his character. God is always good. So why would we not want a God that is always good and wants to care for me come into my life and change me and supply me of, of, of all the things that I need? I know why. Because we've been hurt. We've felt pain. We've built walls. We have put things up to deny anything that we think could potentially change us or potentially harm us. I'm human just like you. And I know that that's what I do. So again, I would bet a million dollars that that's what we do collectively. We try to blockade things because we don't want anything changing because maybe we've kind of, we have it arranged just perfect where I don't hurt that much. Right? It's just enough to like keep me safe. Just enough. In the moment that, whether it's good or bad, whether it's bad or God coming into our lives and rearranging all of the furniture again, we just might as well just say, actually, no, I'm just going to leave it as is. This feels better. I don't know what you're going to do, God, so I'm just going to keep it all here. But God is always good. So the dilemma that we're going to chase our tails with forever is that God in his character, in his nature is good. Why do we not let him change us? 
Why do we not let him care for us, right? We interfere with our own transformations. We interfere with our own testimonies when it doesn't happen the way that we would like it to or it doesn't happen in the timing that we would like it to. And this is super important, super important because, because when that happens, it, send us the, it sends us down a downward slide of denying access to our heart across the board been hurt by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hurt by parents, anything. Every single one of those hurts is a wall that now God has to jump over and hurdle or break down. All for the same mission of God wanting to be in your heart and to love you. Again, I'm uh, going to reference the teens a whole lot. A teen would say, well, you know, I've really been hurt, you know. So, you know, I got walls up. I'm a big, I'm big tough guy. You know, I don't really want that, you know. And I'm like, okay. It's like, do you, think, like, do you think like God wants to like make your life better? You know, I mean, you say that. Don't know if that will actually happen. You know, I like the way, way I am. So like, I'm, I'm just chill right here. Like, okay. I'm like, so, so like, do you know that God changes the bad parts of you, but adds to, elevates the great parts of you, like your personality, all of the things that God, again, hey, creator, created you to be, he elevates those things, and the things that snuck their way in, he gets rid of. Yeah, but you know, I don't want to change. I'm cool as I am. I'm like, guys, th- this is the core issue. We're getting too comfortable with all the bad things, all the things that hurt us. We get too comfortable, we get too familiar with all of those things in our lives that God's like, dude, you could do without. I got so many better things for you. We're afraid to give that access because we know subconsciously, we know that God's going to find them. We know it. So we don't allow him to find it because we think that he doesn't see it anyway. <laughs> and, so, and so this um, idea of, of trying to allow God to care for us doesn't just st- stop, stop at him being always good, but it goes into this part of Psalms 145.8 where it says this, The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. These are also characteristics of God. So, right, we establish that God wants to care for us and that he's always good. Next, we need to allow him into our hearts to care for us. And the characteristics of God is that he's good and that he's a merciful God. He's a compassionate God. He's slow to be angry at me and he loves me unconditionally. So why am I not letting him fix my life? Why am I not letting him supply me with everything that I need? Like, why am I closing myself off to those things? Guys, God not only wants to care for you, God not only wants to care for us, he has the tools to do it correctly. How how many times do um, we go off and find self-fixes, right? And we go, and maybe that thing fixes you to 90%. But that 10%, that thing doesn't have the tool for. 
Or maybe you go find something and it fixes you to like 75%. There's another percentage that that, that thing didn't have the tool for. Guys, God has 100% of the tools that he needs to help you in your life, to supply you of all those needs. I just read them. The Lord is merciful, compassionate, slow to get angry, loves you unconditionally. That's who the God is that wants to be in your life and to care for you. But we keep them closed off. And so we go from God wants to care for us. That's the starting point. We have to establish the truth first which is that God wants to do it for you. Then we have to, to um, tackle this idea that, that um, nothing, nothing coming into me is going to be good for me. I need to keep everything out. We need to tackle the idea that God wants to do it. Therefore, we need to allow it to happen. We need to allow us to change and transform. We need to get uncomfortable and grow I just told, told the teens on Friday, growth is messy, but the outcome is always beautiful. This is all God wants to do is he wants to be in your heart, change you, grow you, and you're always going to come out better. Always. And then that takes us to, to our last call to action, which is, guys, we need to believe that our testimony matters. Our stories of God supplying our needs, our experiences, everything that we've experienced with God needs to be told, needs to be shared. Our testimonies are powerful. Your testimony is powerful. Without your testimony, nobody knows that the Lord is good. Without your testimony, the only idea this world has of God is made-up rumors. It's the, only, it's the only evidence. You are the evidence of the goodness of God. You are. Our testimony is a tool to not only just share the gospel, but to share our faith with the world and to share the expectation of who God is and who he will be. It's not just about what God did for you then, your testimony then helps supply somebody else for a future experience. Because maybe then they go into this whole faith thing expecting God to move. Instead of just sitting back and waiting, God. They say, oh, actually, my friend told me that like, this happened, so like, I'm, it's going to happen. I'm there for it. Matthew 28, 19, we all know it, but it's good. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Guys, our call to action is to share the good news. I'm going to blow your minds. Do you know that your testimony is a part of the good news? It is, flat out. The good news is not just the gospel. It's you, your testimony. You know why? Because God, the good news, changed you. So you're a part of the good news. So when it says, go into all the world and share, share the good news, it's not just saying, bring, bring your word, that's important too, but bring you, unapologetically, bring you. 
Share who you are. Your, your testimony is powerful. Our testimonies are powerful. We as Christians are too quiet. We're too quiet with our stories. We're too quiet with our transformation. We're too quiet of, 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 of point A to point B, that journey. We're too quiet about it. I know, way, I know the way that God changed me. And I would want everybody to see that because I know where I was before. And we're too quiet to share that for some reason. Guys, your stories, our stories are powerful. Scripture says in Revelation 12, one of my favorite verses, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their what? Testimony. Testimony. They overcame him, the evil one, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, by their stories, by them. This is important, guys. Like, obviously, this is a pretty big moment, probably, in that battle. We defeat the bad stuff. And we're a part of that. I think sometimes we get this weird confusion of like, you know, it's like, okay, that whole book shows this, this beautiful vision of Jesus riding in on it. Like, he's like, yeah, as we're a part of that. Our testimony is a part of that. Our testimony is a part of the weapon that, 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 that strikes out darkness forever. So why are we so quiet? To be honest, we're, we're a little quiet in here this morning, too. Just saying. That's not what church was meant to be. If God supplies your needs, right, if we live a satisfied life and we live in the belief that God cares for me and he's going to supply my needs, all that is left is me being excited about that and me wanting to share that. Guys, our stories change the world, Period. I'm really into this whole like grammatical correctness thing right now um, because, because the thing that I hear most consistently on Friday nights with teens is the whole like, like Ty, I know that you said that God is good, but, and I'm like, ha stop. You keep putting commas places. God is who he is, period. Speak that over your life. Don't continue your sentence on and negate everything that God is at the beginning of the sentence. And that's what our stories are. Our stories change the world because God changed you. So when we're sharing our testimonies, it's, an, it's a crucial piece of what we're called to do. It's not just share the good news of who Jesus is, but to share the good news of how you were changed through him. It's the reason why that has so much power. When we share our stories, when we share our experiences of how God has been good to us, it becomes a catalyst for transformation in our world. It just does. How is somebody supposed to know that the God that you serve is good 
if they never hear stories about God being good? How is that person standing in line in front of you supposed to know that there's a fatherly love waiting for them if they've never heard that the Lord loves you like a father? As I've seen way, 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 way too many broken teenagers that don't understand that there is a God that is good, a God that loves them, a God that blesses them, a God that's faithful to them. And the reason is because I'm taking it upon myself to say that I'm not sharing the goodness of God enough. I'm not sharing enough experience. I'm not sharing enough that that the God that I serve and I know has supplied me of everything that I need. I'm not sharing that enough. Because if I was, then this world would have a chain reaction, right? A chain reaction of testimony and testimony and testimony. Goodness, 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 faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. And this world would change. It would, I believe that. So we're going to do a fun exercise right now. It's going to be great. I do it with the kids, so it's going to be great. I want you to look to the person on your left and your right. For real. Look to the person on your left and right. Come on. See, again, we're too quiet. Come on now. We're in church. Come on. So here's, here's kind of the way that I tell the kids to live their lives as they go through life. I say, you see these people on the left and the right in a church service, right? You have to assume that the person on your left and your right is not going to share the gospel. You have to assume that you are the last Christian in the entire world, the last Christ follower that is willing to share the good news, share their testimony. You have to assume that. And here's the reason, because you're all kind of looking at me crazy. Here's the reason. You get like five kids in a group, and they all start talking, and maybe one of them doesn't believe yet. And, and, and what starts to happen is one person goes, oh, they, they don't know God, but it's okay. I think my friends will take care of it. I'm just going to step back. I think, I think so-and-so is going to share his his story. So like my story, I can save my story. Guess what? Every kid there is thinking the same thing. So they leave that conversation and that one kid never hears who Jesus is. And I'm just saying, based off of how quiet we are in here today, there's no way that we don't live like that sometimes, right? That we assume that maybe the person behind me in line, maybe they're already Christian, so I'm good. I don't need to say hi. Or maybe the person in front of you is like, well, they'll get up to the cash register and I'm just, God, I pray that, 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 the, that the cashier is a Christian so she'll share. I'm good and I'll just take a step back. I'm a firm believer that we're too quiet. We're too quiet as a church. We're too quiet as believers. We're too quiet as people transformed supernaturally Change from death to life. We're too quiet about it. We're too quiet about the way that God has supplied everything that we need.
and we assume that somebody else is going to do it. And the truth is that, that, this, that this message isn't a, like, a missions-focused message. But guys, the reality is everything that we do should be missions-focused. Always. Because guys, guess what? You, you have the gift already. You're here. There's people that don't know that God is good. There's people that will never have an opportunity to know that God is good. And just like I tell the teens every Friday, you, how you live, how you are in your school, how you are at your job, how you are in your life is the only connection to God that some people may have. So through through this series, we're learning about living a satisfied life, being satisfied with everything. Now we move to the next piece of that, which is, well, I need to live in the supply of God too. And guys, all of this encompasses this last piece, which is that why would you not want to share that with the world? Why do we not want to share that with the people in the grocery line? Why do we not want to share that with our peers? Why do we not want to share that with each other here? We're all here, aren't we? We're all here for the same reason, I hope. So to end, I'm going to take some time here. I want you to close your eyes and let's, let's talk to God a little bit. Remember, your testimony matters. Your story matters. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you've done, but your story individually matters. Your story can be a catalyst for transformation. So I want you to talk to God. I want you to ask him, what areas in in your life are you keeping away from God's caring hand? What areas of your heart have you blocked off? What areas of your heart have you said, here, God, you can have these, but this one's, no, don't touch this one. And from that, I want you to ask him, where do you want, God, where do you want to supply me? What what part of my life are you trying to supply And the last piece is I want you to talk to the Lord about how can, God, how can I share my story with the world better? How can I share the goodness of God with the world better? How can I share how God has changed me, death to life? How can I share that with the world better? Remember, your, your testimony matters. Your story matters. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.